In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, well, he has trouble with the spin. And the Get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. Coming your way live on a Monday, it's the T.C. Martin Show here, KSHP, AM 1400, FM 107.1 here in fabulous, beautiful... Las Vegas, Nevada, and also streaming live on the TCMartinShow.com and at KSHB.com as well. I'm Chris Wynn, in for the doctor. TC Martin is on the road, folks. The voice of our world champion, Las Vegas Aces, in the midst of a road trip back to the Midwest and back east as well, too. He is getting set as the Chicago Sky and the Aces will go at it tomorrow night. Nationally televised game, but you can also hear him live here on ESPN Radio in Las Vegas calling the game. So the Aces just keep flat out rolling along, folks. Sitting, what, 21-2, I believe, or 19-2 on the season. Absolutely killing it. And Asia Wilson just does a walking double-double every game. The starting five is legit, despite the fact even that Candace Parker being hurt, it is a team that is flat-out dominating right now in the WNBA. We'll be talking a lot of hoops today on the show. 21-2, and 21-2, and two, my mistake. I left out two, two wins, my friend. The uh, most recent being, of course, the win against the Minnesota Lynx up there in the Twin Cities over the weekend. So going to look forward to having the aces back here in town in Las Vegas after this road trip. So we might get TC on the show here today, talk a little bit of uh, Chicago Sky aces for the preview tomorrow. I believe the Sky play their home games in the old Rosemont Horizon. I could be wrong on that. Or they do have their own new venue now, which is a little bit smaller venue than the the arena in Chicago where the Bulls play. I don't know exactly what the, what it's called, but I believe they have their own smaller venue. But uh, I'm sure, and as all of you that follow T.C. Martin on social media. Wintrest Arena. Wintrest Arena, which is, I believe, I want to say it's close I to believe it's the, old the south side. Yeah, yes. it's over by the Chicago White Sox Stadium. It's on Cermak, yes. if, if you're familiar with it. I, I am know. familiar, yes. Yeah. And it is, uh, so they've got their own little niche there. But. Chicago, a great town for culture and food. So you know T.C. Martin. He's going to have the food picks going up on social media, folks. Tons of hot dog picks already. It's, it, yeah, already. Love it. So it's uh, it's super cool, right, for T.C. to get out there and uh, be covering the game first time this season where you have the play-by-play voice, T.C., on the road doing these games. So it's an opportunity for him. So we might have him on the show today. We do have a couple of uh, guests that are going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have T.C. Uh, excuse me. We're going to have... Uh, Ken Thompson from Sports X Radio joining us. He was at the Battle for Las Vegas Numchuck over the weekend. It is a outstanding charity event that goes down every year. And it was won in walk-off fashion. In, wa- in dramatic fashion. Dramatic walk-off fashion. 
And it's a who's who right now, Chuck, of all things sports in Vegas. Riley Smith's team, Max Crosby's team, you know, a, a heavy Raider Golden Knights team, but all, but all the athletes from Vegas and around Vegas tend to participate. It's a great event up at the Las Vegas ballpark. They do a great job with it. So we're going to talk to Ken Thompson about that as well as other things because folks, you may think it's summertime because it is and it's just blistering hot. Every single day, we're talking triple digits where you walk outside. Numbchuck, I walk outside for about five minutes, and I'm already getting a tan. Already getting some color for sea wind. And that's a big deal because, I, you know, I tend to be uh, a whitey-whitey. Right? Like I'm, I'm someone who can uh, is, is very pale in that category. But it is, it is Vegas. It's the summertime. But it's the summertime everywhere. But football still coming up quick, my friend. You're talking about training camps opening for the two Hall of Fame game participants last week, and now training camps in force will be opening up. And there's an interesting, it's not really a documentary, but it's a basically it's a television series on the streaming platform Netflix called Quarterback. And it focuses on three quarterbacks. Former Las Vegas Raider Marcus Mariota is a part of it. Kirk Cousins with the Minnesota Vikings is also a part of that, as well as as well as Patrick Mahomes, who, of course, the Super Bowl-winning quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. So they placed this perfectly. They timed it out exactly right, where everybody's getting excited for training camp, and they pop this on the streaming platform, you know, a matter of probably, what, a month and a half before training camp's open. And it's a pretty intriguing TV series in that it's not just obviously about the quarterbacks and what they do with the teams on the field. They go super in depth with all three of these guys. And you look at it and it's kind of like a perspective of three quarterbacks on different levels is the way I'll describe it, right? Marcus Mariota, a guy that has at times been a starting quarterback in this league, right? Not necessarily thought of as one of the best in the NFL, but a guy who's been kind of a journeyman, right? Went from Tennessee to Vegas, to Atlanta, where it didn't necessarily work out great. And now he's in Philadelphia backing up Jalen Hurts. But uh, it get, but he has an interesting story, obviously, given that he's you know from Hawaii, played at Oregon. And, and it goes in, in, in depth as far as his life, him and his wife and his family and, and his background. And it can be intriguing as all get out at times. Then you get to, but, but it's portrayed in the show. Like he's kind of like the third tier guy, and I think it's fair, right? I mean, you look at him. You look at the three quarterbacks, whether it's Cousins, Mariota, and Pat Mahomes, right? Pat Mahomes, multiple Super Super Bowl champion, MVP, considered one of probably the top three quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I don't think there's any question about that. Not a whole lot of debate. Then you get Kirk Cousins, a guy much like Mariota that's been kind of a kind of a journeyman, but I think is viewed as a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota and is kind of looked at as the guy who's just right there on the cusp, right? It seems like you got, you have talent on the teams you're on, not necessarily in Washington so much as when he's been in Minnesota, but it is a Minnesota team and franchise. That's right. I feel like they're right there, that they're going to be in the mix in the NFC this season. Obviously it was disappointing loss to the, to the New York giants a year ago in the playoffs in the wild card game, but you've 
get a feeling, despite the fact they don't have Gal- Dalvin Cook there, that it could be a Minnesota team that should compete for the NFC North title and another shot at the playoffs. So it's a chance for Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins, from a stat standpoint, there's no question he's a guy that's probably just below that that super elite tier of NFL quarterbacks. But they get into his life story as well, too, and his background, a little bit different than Mariota. Both very, very spiritual guys and very religious. But good families, good family guys, kind of well-rounded, not just all about football with those two guys. And then you get to Pat Mahomes. Now, Pat Mahomes is a guy, because his brother, Jackson Mahomes, is a big, big, uh, he's has a spot, huge spotlight on him on social media. Guy's got, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, I believe, on Instagram, and he's young. I believe he's in his early 20s, and he's one of those guys who's always out there and about and about. So it's a, it's it's interesting from that perspective when it comes to Pat Mahomes. This is a guy who has two Super Bowl rings already, and is looking for more. His family life, also very interesting. His father, former Major League Baseball pitcher. Um, he, he comes from a, a background in which, you know, sports was a big, big influence on him growing up. Wanted to be a baseball player growing up. Obviously turned into one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he has a very interesting wife and interesting family. So, and he's kind of in a different place than Kirk Cousins as well as Marcus Mariota. But it gives three different outlooks as to being a quarterback in the NFL. And then it goes into super in-depth detail as to their personal lives and how it intertwines with the day-to-day of being a signal caller in the NFL. So to me, I thought it was pretty intriguing as far as the show. I did finish watching it. I think there's eight, there's eight episodes and, uh, and it is one of those things where you can kind of binge watch it and kind of look through it. And, and if, if you've got, if you've got seven and a half hours or eight hours to kill, you could probably sit down in in one in one sitting and check everything out. But it was timed perfectly because we're rolling into training camps right now, and there is there's a whole lot of news when it comes to the NFL across the board. Five teams made hiring coaching hirings this off season in Carolina with the Broncos, Houston, Indianapolis, and Arizona. You've got some quarterbacks changing places. You've got some wide receivers that are high profile changing places. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers in, in New York is a big deal, given he's going to the number one market in the country. And the Jets seem like they could be there in the mix in the AFC East, along with the likes of the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and others. You've got the Hall of Fame game coming up on August 3rd in Canton, Ohio. And uh, with the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. And then the reigning champion Kansas City Chiefs will play the Detroit Lions, Numchuck. My Detroit Lions are playing the Chiefs on Thursday night to open up the season. Maybe it's a Super Bowl preview, Numchuck. Maybe, and, and T.C. Martin fans out there, maybe the Detroit Lions could actually... Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I, I mean, I, it would be absolutely unbelievable if my guys in Honolulu Blue and Silver, my Detroit Lions... We're here in Las Vegas next February in the Super Bowl, given they haven't had a playoff win since 1991. Myself, T.C. Martin, Justin Chuck, I'm sure all of you out there, we were much younger or not even born in 1991, the last time Detroit won a playoff game. 
So if they're able to make some magical run come playoff time and and end up on Super Bowl Sunday playing here in Vegas, I might have to spring for that. I don't know if I'd be able to swing a little credential action, but I might have to shell out some coin because the first ever Super Bowl in Vegas, and if my Detroit Lions are there, got to be there. But there's a really good chance that Pat Mahomes and Kansas City are going to be a team that that is going to be playing for another Lombardi trophy. You think about the Chiefs, you think about the Bills, you think about the Cincinnati Bengals. And that was another cool thing about the show, quarterback, was that they did kind of highlight that competitive and rivalry that is absolutely building between Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow as the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. There's just something special about those guys uh, being you know around basically the same age, Pat a little bit older, but still not not by much. And Joe Burrow in Cincinnati trying to revive. And you've also got that angle where you got the Buffalo Bills and the and the and the Cincinnati Bengals te- franchises that have been to multiple Super Bowls but have never been able to win one. And so it'd be a huge deal. Even as early as this year, if Joe Burrow and the Bengals and or or Josh Allen and the Bills were to win a Super Bowl, it'd be absolutely monstrous for those fan bases and for those cities and for those teams. Without a doubt, it would be absolutely huge. So, I mentioned the guest tonight or today we're going to have Ken Thompson at two th- at the bottom of this hour talking about Battle for Las Vegas. We it's Ken Thompson from SportsX Radio. So we can get into all kinds of topics. I'm sure we can weigh in a little NFL action as well as uh get his takes on what went down. Last time. Look, it was basketball heavy. The last two weeks in this town. All right, we got a little bre- a little bit of a cooler down this weekend, although TC didn't because he was on the road with him with the Aces. But before this week, it was crazy from a basketball standpoint. You had WNBA, you had Aces action all over the place here in town for a homestand. You had the NBA Summer League in town. And of course, with all the intrigue surrounding NBA free agency, the the draft picks getting a chance to actually put a uniform on for the first time here in Vegas. You get to see some of these guys who are expected to be stars in the NBA. All right. Victor Webignana in, in, in San Antonio. Uh, you know, Scoot Henderson in Portland with the Blazers and others. Both the Thompson twins. It was a lot of fun to get out there. I mean, you're, you're kidding me. For a guy who is a basketball junkie, he was a sports junkie, period. To be able to get out there and cover the NBA Summer League and also cover the Aces while they were here. And the WNBA All-Star Game was here. So it was a kid-in-a-candy-store mentality when it came to the basketball that was going on. And we'll have uh, both coaches from from CSN joining us on the show as well, too, in the 3 o'clock hour. Coach Che, a great guy, uh, Las Vegas native, and I love chopping it up, talking all things hoops with Coach Che. And uh, both coaches will be here to talk a little bit of basketball, too. But I, so I, I got to get some of their takes also on, uh, on UNLV basketball because I know Coach Che is out there with me a lot. And is he acts as a mentor to a lot of those UNLV running rebels, and it's going to be an interesting season to say the least when it comes to UNLV basketball because there is kind of a uh, 
a spotlight on on Kevin Kruger as a coach. Look, this is you know it's not his first season as the head coach here at UNLV, so should be a lot of fun seeing what this team can do. It's because they're going to have a much more competitive schedule out of the gate than they've had in in the last two three seasons, in which they're going to be playing actually some you know powerhouse programs in college basketball, and of course the. The ability to get a talent the likes of DJ Thomas for UNLV can be a big-time game-changer. Look, we understand that UNLV right now, as from a program standpoint, is probably you know a middle-of-the-road team in the Mountain West. We get that. But it's still a name. Yes, they still are one of the few programs on the West Coast that has won a national championship. People know UNLV basketball. A lot of people that that are not from Las Vegas or not from Nevada associate anything tied to UNLV with running Rebel basketball. And there's a reason for that. And so as someone who's covered the team for over a decade and as someone who's a fan of basketball and is a, a major fan and resident, longtime resident here of this great city, Las Vegas, you want to see... UNLV running rental basketball and UNLV football bounce back. You want to see it get better and be more relevant. So this is one of those years, I think, that's going to be a major show. We're going, And when I say show, I mean we're going to get a gauge on which direction this program is going. And... There are people out there that rightfully expect results. They want to see results. And so that does put some pressure on Kevin Kruger, his coaching staff, as well as the program and the players to step up their game and to get to a place where they can actually be elevating the program to where I think it should be. I'm not crazy. I'm not insane. I'm not a jackass for sitting here and saying, well, Numchuck is right. I am a jackass sometimes. But I'm not out of line for saying I think this UNLV basketball program, and the football program for that matter, should be in the top three in consideration in every single year in the Mountain West Conference. It's Vegas. It's UNLV. Give me a break. All right? You have advantages here. You don't have at Colorado State, at Utah State, at Boise State. Who during Mountain West Media Days, you know, is 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 the cream of the crop in the conference when it comes to football? All right, Boise State, really? Boise State should be consistently a team that is superior to UNLV. Get it is it's outrageous. And yes, this is going on tangent time for C Win when it comes to UNLV. It's very frustrating, even as someone who's not a fan of the program in in in, in a way where. I've grown up with a program. It's not my number one school that I root for. Anybody that knows anything about me on the radio here in Vegas knows I'm a Michigan State guy, right? That's where I'm from. I'll until uh, the day I die, that'll be my school, that'll be my team. And so I don't have to pull any punches. I don't have to come here and be biased. I don't have to come on here and be disingenuous. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. I don't have to be, but I can I can pump up I can pump up my love for the collegiate athletics 
and UNLV hoops as far as wanting it to be great for the community. I want people to be able to get behind. I want people to be proud here in Vegas to be sporting the scarlet and gray again. And the UNLV merch. And as the kids say today, drip. I want you to be happy to wear that stuff. And I think I can speak for everybody else in the media here in Vegas by saying, yes, it would be great to be able to cover a team that is playing in games that matter. Whether it's at Allegiant Stadium with the football program where they're on the verge of going to a bowl game or playing in a bowl game, or it's going to the Thomas and Mack. You know what I'm saying? And seeing a team that could not only make a run for a Mountain West championship as far as the tournament's concerned, or in the regular season, but could be playing, I know, this could be outrageous, right? In March Madness, in the NCAA tournament. Folks, the last time UNLV was in the NCAA tournament was a loss to Cal. Uh, 2013, 2014. That's the last time. That's way too long. It's way too long. So, soapbox off. All right? This is a year where, you know, it's it's a you-know-what-or-get-off-the-pot kind of for Kevin, for Kevin Kruger. Because if they have another year where they're just kind of run-to-the-mill, they get a couple surprise wins, but then they, go to the, they go, end up going to the Mountain West Tournament and don't show out and get bounced either on Wednesday or Thursday, you know, or even in the next round where they lose in the second round and then nobody really cares. It's not going to be good for Kevin Kruger, and it's not going to be good for the program. So, look, I want them to be able to step up. Step up as a program. Step up their profile in college basketball. I'm not sitting here saying they need to be in national championship contention like they were in the 1990s and in the 1980s. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying reclaim back some of that notoriety. Get back some of that cachet. Get back some of that love, right? From the fan base here in Vegas. Because we've talked about this at length on Sports Talk Radio in this town for the last handful of years. You've got a much more crowded sports landscape in this town. In the last three, four years, obviously, it has changed immensely. And it's about to change even more, obviously, with the prospect of the Las Vegas A's being a reality. And make no mistake about it, there's probably going to be an MLS team here sooner than later. And so you're going to have even more competition in town. So that's one more obstacle that UNLV Sports faces as well, too. But that being said, I still think there's room. And there's definitely room for improvement when it comes to all things UNLV football and basketball in this town. And you want to see it happen. Even if you're not, let me tell you something. Even if you're not a big sports fan in this town, you should still want UNLV to be successful because it's just better. It's better for all things business. It's better for all things Vegas. And that's what I'm a big proponent of. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun to get a chance to 
cover NCAA tournament games, even though it was, you know, almost 10 years ago. And it would be fun again if UNLV is able to get back to that level. And that's the level, I think, that is not outrageous by any stretch of the imagination to believe UNLV can get to. And especially when it comes to the football program and just getting to a bowl game. You guys know the deal. You only have to be 500, maybe a game over 500, to be bowl eligible in college football. I mean, come on. What are we talking about here, right? We're talking about having a mediocre season, essentially, and you could be playing in a bowl game. Now, look, I get it. It could be the IdahoPotato.com.net Citrus Bowl somewhere, you know, on December 15th. But it's a bowl game, right? And it's something that can be put on the school's resume. So, uh, again, we're not expecting UNLV football to be going to the Orange Bowl or to the Rose Bowl or to... Or even maybe, you know, the Capital One Bowl in Orlando, Florida. But getting back to a postseason game where eyeballs are on you. Another thing that's great for the school, right, when it comes to college football, is having a nationally televised games in which, you know, promising or projected recruits can get a chance to see your school's colors on national TV. That's a big deal. So I'm hoping... I'm thinking, I'm expecting UNLV sports to get back to a level that is at least respectable and is at least a point where they are relevant across the board, if not nationally, at least in the Mountain West Conference. Make no mistake about it. Ken Thompson's going to join us at the top of the hour. We're going to take our quick break in a couple of minutes, but... uh I'm telling you, Numchuck, it was a, it was a, it was pretty interesting TV series when it came to quarterback because look, we get, we understand it's the most high profile position in, in sports, really, you could argue is being an NFL quarterback, right? Being a quarterback, period. Even in college, college quarterbacks get a spotlight on them. But that's why a lot of people are interested in this is because it's the guy. It's the, it's, it's the guy that gets all the blame. It's the guy that gets all the credit when NFL teams win or lose. And so that's why people kind of cared about the TV series quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they did the whole, the whole three-tier thing with the quarterbacks. You go from Pat Mahomes at the top. They go, you know, Kirk Cousins trying to get to that top. And then they go to Marcus Mariota, who now is a, currently a backup in the league behind Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, who just went to the Super Bowl. So... Three very different guys, different personalities, so it made a lot of sense. But we love that, right? When it comes to entertainment aspects of sports, we do love the stories behind the scenes, right? We love to hear about how they get to where they get to, the be- the the uh, the people that help them get there, obviously family members, coaches, and we love to see how athletes live, right? And I'm Chuck, we love to see... Guys and and women and men, when it comes to the WNBA as well, too, we love to see what is your day-to-day on how you get to be a premier athlete in America. Love to see your houses, love to see your workouts, love to see your diet and eating habits, that kind of thing. It's stuff that is intriguing enough where people actually care. And, and, and because it's p- people who are successful, right? 
and then people have an opportunity to copy that, and they do like it. So that's why we love Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks is a, a perfect example, right? Thing. That's a numchuck is a great point. Hard Knocks is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Here. Now, Hard Knocks takes more of a like the franchise biz- perspective, the, the franchise right? business side, like the franchise. Obviously, the business of the NFL when you're talking about coaches cutting guys and and coaches analyzing players, and then you know the player interactions in training camp. It focuses on training camp, right? So, and there is and and what's interesting is there is an aspect in Hard Knocks of some of the players behind the scenes stuff as far as like what they do when they leave when they leave training camp or leave practice, right? And they'll they'll they'll, they'll dip in some of that stuff, yeah. But uh, a little bit of the difference between quarterback and hard knocks is quarterback went way more into the family stuff, way more into, you know, in the case of Pat Mahomes, right? Building his home, his dream home in Kansas City, him reflecting on, oh, I'm not going anywhere. I I plan on being in Chiefs Kingdom for the rest of my career. Now, look, we know the reality of sports, right? And football, maybe he's not in Kansas City his whole career. But, like, it kind of dives into that stuff. A lot about their wives, right, and their families and their parents and their upbringing. A lot of that stuff, a lot more heavy on that in the quarterback series than in Hard Knocks. But we sports fans, you and I, Justin, and everybody listening here on the T.C. Martin Show, that love sports, Hard Knocks is great because it gives us, we love the sports aspect of it. We love breaking down game plans or philosophies or coaching ideas or how teams are built. You got a lot of people out there that that love when it comes to video games, right? They it's not just about playing the the games. It's about building the team, right? It's the damn GM it's mode. A, the, GM the GM mode. mode you is know all what I'm you talking do. about where you can build the team. You can be the guy that put that that buys the groceries for the kid. You don't have to be just a chef. You can be the guy that buys the groceries. Yeah. Chuck. And so that's kind of cool. But uh but both very intriguing series when it comes to both Hard Knocks and Quarterback. I recommend that you check them out. It's the T.C. Martin Show coming to you live on a Monday. Coming up next, it's going to be Ken Thompson joining us from SportsX Radio. Talk about uh, the great benefit and uh, softball charity softball game that went down at Las Vegas Ballpark last night, Battle of Las Vegas, and much, much more with KT, host of SportsX Radio, as we continue here on the T.C. Martin Show live from Vegas on KSHB. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. 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 T.C. Martin Show coming to you live on a Monday. KSHP 107.1 FM, 1400 AM, streaming all over the World Wide Web at tcmartinshow.com and kshp.com as well, too. Folks, one of my favorites in town. You want to talk about storytelling. You want to talk about giving his takes when it comes to sports. You want to talk about sports handicapping. When you want to put a little coin on some action out there, folks. And by the way, I do. And I did this weekend. It wasn't too pretty. But you know what? We always love chopping up with one of our guys. Ken Thompson joining us here live on the T.C. Martin Show. He's the host of SportsX Radio, 8 to 10 p.m., Monday through Friday here on Don in Las Vegas and streaming on the Odyssey app. And he was out at uh, Battle for Las Vegas, a tremendous event 
going on here where it is sports, all things Las Vegas, uh, personalities, media personalities do a tremendous job at the Las Vegas ballpark. He was out there yesterday for this. It was Team Max Crosby of the Las Vegas Raiders against Team Riley Smith of the former and Stanley Cup champion uh, Vegas Golden Knights, now, of course, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But that's neither here nor there. Ken Thompson joining us here on the show. Ken, we really appreciate you spending some time. How are you, my friend? See, win, man. Here's the thing. Even if you lost that money on the weekend, you came back today with your hometown Tigers in the matinee affair, and they knocked up the Giants 5-1. to So I know you're in the good. It was just a little bit of redemption, Mr. Ken Thompson, because, you know, the 2012 World Series in which we were swept by those boys from the Bay in uh, what we thought was going to be a very glorious fall classic, my friend. It just did not turn out that way. Thanks to Pablo Sandoval and Matt, and Matt Kane and a lot of other guys that just uh, just owned us. So a little bit of redemption, my friend, uh, with the win over the there Giants. There you go. Yeah. I will tell you, Chris, though, what, one, one of the greatest media events, I mean, for, you know, for somebody in the media, is that Golden Knights Raiders game because – you know, you get down on the field, everybody's relaxed because neither team's in season. So they're able to, you know, kind of hang out and, and really be loose. And, and they don't shrug any questions. They take time. They do the selfies. I mean, Max Crosby, I just love the guy. I mean, I, I love the person. I mean, that's what I tell him. I go, Max, you, you're the great player. You're the ever-ready bunny. I appreciate you. But I love the man off the field because you're there for so many people, whether it's mental health awareness, whatever it is. He's just that type of person, and he's a beautiful soul. And he was actually there in the parking lot with Josh Jacobs on July 17th, waiting potentially for Jacobs to get an offer from the Raiders as far as not to just have the franchise tag sitting on him, but to hopefully be able to move forward with some type of multi-year deal that never transpired. But that's just the guy that Max Crosby is. He's always going to be there. He is a true team player, and I know he was close to some of the guys that are no longer on the team, but... You know, the guys that are on the team, that's the guy you want to hang out with, Max Crosby, for sure. And speaking of that, right, Ken, um, Max Crosby's story is interesting because he's someone a lot like Darren Waller, right? A, another former mm-hmm. Las Vegas Raider who, you know, has been very open about the struggles that he's had personally. And I think that's been very endearing, right, to the Las Vegas fan base and to Raider Nation, quite frankly, that Max Crosby is the way he is and has that personality where, look, he's willing to say, look, I, I made some mistakes in the past, but I'm, tra- you know, I'm trying to move on from them. I'm trying to grow as a man. And I think that's, that's, that's a big reason why he has really become one of the more beloved athletes here in Las Vegas. Yeah, there's no doubt. It doesn't matter what city you're in, you know, and they'll call Las Vegas Sin City, but everywhere is Sin City, right? It's just who covers it up better, right? And at the end of the day, you know, when you're transparent, especially with your fan base, for those that feel, that they're alone and nobody knows what they're going through. When you get a big time athlete that steps up and says, Hey, I've been there. I know what you're going through. That means the world and could actually, you know, add years to somebody's life or uh, give them, you know, incentive that, Hey, I can change my life around. Look at Max Crosby, one of the best defensive players in the NFL, but even more important off the field than on the field. Ken Thompson joining us from sports X radio host, uh, eight to 10 PM weekdays here in Vegas on the show. He was at Battle for Las Vegas yesterday at the Las Vegas ballpark and uh, a great event where uh, 
uh, teams of uh, both uh, media members as well as as well as local Las Vegas athletes were uh, playing in, a, in a, a softball game. 7 p.m. They had the home run derby, KT, and then first pitch was at eight o'clock. Little little drama, right? When it came to the game, my friend, uh, uh, as far as the ending and how it all went down. Well, here's the thing. I mean, the the cool thing was, you know, and I shouldn't say cool because when you're in 110, yes. you know, at what what would have been the time at uh, six o'clock for the home run derby, but they moved that to seven and then the game to eight, and so it actually got a little bit overcast. It wasn't too bad. See, when it was yeah. really, you know, I, I thought it was rather comfortable. And then again, I've been in the desert for you know three decades between you know Palm Springs, Phoenix, and, and Vegas. So I think my blood is thinned out, and I'm I'm used to it. I'm good. I don't have the humidity to deal with, so I I, I took it all in and. And it was just a, an outstanding atmosphere. And then the tribute to Riley Smith, because like you said, Riley Smith no longer on that super, uh, that Stanley Cup champion, uh, super roster that the Golden Knights have. He's on his way to Pittsburgh, but he's still, because he's been the captain for that Golden Knights side of things the last several years, said, you know what? I'm going to stick around and I'm going to be part of it. And they did a great tribute there. They had, uh, the crowd get, get there and, and then everybody, you know, Riley, Riley and, and his wife and his little baby, uh, on the field. And it was just really, really emotional. It was great. And then, yeah, the game lived up to the billing. Last year, Raiders got off to a decent start and then the Knights just blew them out the water. And, uh, by the way, Coglin in the, uh, in the home run derby, derby had 15 home runs and I'm talking some mammoth shots. One off the top of the scoreboard out in left center field. I mean, it was like ridiculous. And I was like, what is in those softballs? Are these like from Coors Field's humidor? I mean, where are these balls coming from? It looked, Chris, I swear it looked like they were hitting Super Bowls, man. That's how far they were going. But Coglin was the guy and uh, stepped up nicely, and the Golden Knights end up winning. 22 to 21. Yeah, Ken, we can't let it slip past us, right? A lot of these athletes played multiple sports, right? Either way, even even some in college as far as, uh, and definitely in high school. So it is no shocker to me whatsoever that guys that are, you know, hockey players are going out there and raking when it comes to a uh, an event like this. But uh, direct direct tweet from Ken Thompson, good times. The Las Vegas ballpark will cool, cool off to 108 by first pitch. KT, I mean, it, it was, uh, I was, look, I was, uh, I was uh, already uh, had some uh, some things and errands and stuff that I was doing. Otherwise, I would have been out there myself. But uh, when I saw that uh, yourself and, and Jose Volante were out there, you were dressed for it, by the way. You had the, uh, you had the little vague Golden Knights cut off shirt going, showing off the guns a little bit. I saw Jose out there, our guy with his uh, Las Vegas Aviators uh, baseball cap on, representing Vegas big time. But uh, there's no question, right? That it's a it could be uh, it can be a little bit physically training when you're talking about triple digit temperatures out there for a great event like this. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I had the Raider hat on backwards and the Golden Knights. Uh, you know, love the the tank tops that they sell. Uh, so yeah, it was great to represent both teams and a great community because those that don't live in Vegas, they don't understand. They think that we all live on the strip. And I told my family, look, I only lived there for the first 10 years that I was here. But after that, you know, I just branched out and spread my money around all of Vegas and Henderson. So, uh, now of course doing things in moderation and understanding what it is to, uh, make sure that you, you don't lose your paycheck that you get you know, at 7-Eleven on the way home. Those are uh, lessons that a lot of uh, young people learn, and uh, hopefully they, they take that wisdom from us older folks, and, and they don't have to go down that path. But you and I know what that's like on certain times back in the day. 
but I, I love Vegas. I love, uh, you know, the Henderson, Summerlin, Vegas community. It's just, it's phenomenal. And you feel like you're part of a city that continues to grow. And I'm hoping the, uh, the Raiders are going to be able to grow with it. Uh, it doesn't look like Josh Jacobs will be there anytime soon, but, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, Coach McDaniels can figure this out. The roster, there's still a lot of offensive prowess. And, you know, with Max Crosby leading defense, if uh, Chandler Jones comes to play, I know he's in better shape weight-wise, and they've added a lot of guys to the secondary and got to talk to Trayvon Morg, Morg a little bit. Uh, Merrick, uh, a little bit uh, over there. It's spelled Morg with the M-O, but it's pronounced Merrick. Uh, mm-hmm. told him how much I appreciated him, and his sophomore year wasn't as good as his freshman year over here in Vegas, but uh, you know what? There's a lot. There's a lot of question marks with this Raiders team, and their win total continues to dwindle. See, so went down to six, and out of 17 games, that's what they finished last year, six and 11. But remember, they lost nine or 10 of those games by one score. You know, could have easily turned that around. So we'll see. Looks like Jimmy G is going to be ready to roll, and and that's huge. That was a question mark coming in. So you know, hopefully they'll be able to uh, you know not worry about what the naysayers say or the. Uh, so-called experts and maybe uh, be able to move forward. But right now, it looks like it's going to be an uphill battle for the silver and black state. Yeah, make no mistake, right, KT? I talked about this earlier in the show. I was bringing up the TV series Quarterback that is streaming on Netflix. Of course, it focuses on Patrick Mahomes, of course, Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. In fact, is also former Raider Marcus Mariota is a part of that show as well, too, along with Kirk Cousins, my guy out of Michigan State with the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, basically, you know, there's a lot of discussion regarding the AFC West like there was. And look, that was the same. That was the case a year ago. Also, given that uh, this this was a very intriguing division, to say the least. But I think there's no question, right, Ken, that when it comes to this division, it's going to be just as challenging this year for the silver and black to to kind of be able to catapult themselves amongst the likes of Kansas City and of course Los Angeles with the Chargers than it was a year ago. Given that uh, it, it, I think it is believed, right? And uh, I'd love to hear your take on this that that both the Chiefs and the Chargers are probably the top two teams in the division. Uh, there's no question. And then you know that's the whole thing with Sean Payton and working his magic throughout his career with quarterbacks. I think a lot of folks are expecting Denver to be able to step up and, and and maybe be that third place team or at least second or third. Everybody's giving Kansas City more or less as long as Mahomes and the guys are healthy. They're giving them the division already. Uh, you know the Chargers, you know, blowing a twenty-seven nothing lead in the playoffs against Jacksonville that hurts big time. But somehow Staley's still there. Uh, you know, so he'll have another crack at it. But Peyton taking over the Broncos. You know, can he fix what was wrong with Russell Wilson last year? And there's a lot of optimism there in Denver. And then there's a lot of question marks, like I said, here in Las Vegas, just because there's so many new faces, so many different moves. And let's face it, with the Josh Jacobs deal, I mean, the Patriots organization has never been one that's really gone out. And and no matter how good a season a running back has had, gone out and given them top dollar you know, in a new contract. So a lot of those guys that have had good years with New England when McDaniels was there as offense coordinator, you know, the Belichick way is like, look, we can always find another running back to fit our system. And they did that. James White was one they kept around for a long time. And I think mainly because he's one of the best receiving backs ever out of the backfield. Uh, but most of the other guys have gone on to, uh, you know, to other teams and whatnot. So I think that may be why, uh, you know, Raider management is playing hardball a little bit with Josh Jacobs, put the franchise tag and maybe have him play the one year. And you know what? With Saquon Barkley and Jacobs, there's a chance these guys may sit out. They have enough money 
and they just may not play at all this year. Yeah, you do get the kind of feel that in New York with the Giants, it's almost like they're expecting him. Of course, the signing uh, signings that they made in the last just in the last three four days is kind of giving an indication they expect Saquon Barkley not to be a part of that team going into training camp, and then possibly not for the you know not for the especially the early part of the season. So it could be kind of tricky right there for uh, for the the fans of uh, of uh, the Giants over there in New York to uh, to kind of see that happening. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's the whole thing, and that's of course where Darren Waller. Uh, we'll be transitioning to. So we'll see how everything pans out there for uh, the silver and black. They got their work cut out for them, and the schedule is not easy. And speaking of Denver, that's where they opened. They opened in the Mile High City, and then, you know, if they lose that game, they've got to turn around and go to Buffalo. Now, Buffalo did get some bad news yesterday on a, a jet ski accident. They lost Niam Hines, who had come over from the Colts, and they really wanted to get him into not just the uh, the offense, but really that receiver out of the backfield uh, for those third down little plays there where he'd be the safety valve. They had a lot of plays designed for him. So he's going to be out for the year. So that's a, a blow. But if the Raiders, you know, don't get one of those first two road games, then they come back for a Sunday night game opener against Pittsburgh at Allegiant Stadium. And that becomes a must win because they got to turn around and go back on the road just a short jaunt to SoFi and play the Chargers. But that's three of your first four on the road and your home game against Pittsburgh. And let's face it, we know when TJ Watt's healthy, that defense is for real. Ken Thompson joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Ken Thompson 87 over two decades and a half, folks, of sports broadcasting experience and hosting Sports Talk Radio as the host of Sports X Radio on 101.5 FM Don here in Vegas and on the Odyssey app all over the web, 8 to 10 p.m. Monday through Friday, talking some NFL. Now, KT, obviously some of the intriguing storylines in the AFC are the teams that are at the top that still have yet to hoist that Lombardi trophy, right, KT? Obviously, I'm talking about the likes of the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, and I'm talking about Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. It was kind of interesting last year, right, where you had Joe Burrow and those Bengals were able to knock off the Chiefs three games in a row, and then, of course, the Chiefs exercise the demons in the playoffs and get that uh, eke out that win over Cincinnati, but make no mistake about it, right, KT? We're talking about an AFC that's going to be fun to watch just to see, right? And I'm speaking as a Detroit Lions fan uh, on the NFC side of things, maybe, you know, that that possibility, Ken Thompson, that my Detroit Lions could be playing in Vegas in the Super Bowl. I think there's a real possibility that the likes of Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills could be here in Vegas in February for Super Bowl 59. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Buffalo 13 and three last year, Cincy 12 and four, but they got to expect that the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, new contract in hand, going to be coming after them. Look, Pittsburgh is still a sleeper in Cleveland. You know, they're expecting more things now that Deshaun Watson's settling in and, uh, is staying out of the massage parlor. So, you know, we'll see how all that transitions. I mean, Jacksonville, they come back, they get that win last year over the Chargers in the postseason. That'll give them some confidence moving forward. We don't know what to expect from Tennessee or even the Colts. Richardson's got a lot of growing pains in the Texans. So it looks like Jacksonville, that's their division to lose. And then the AFC West, yeah, until somebody knocks off KC. They are the team, and I know Herbert gets a lot of headlines, but we'll see if uh, you know if the Raiders can't do something with Jimmy G and uh, also the Broncos, whether or not they're able to get Russell Wilson to bounce back and lead that team. And the NFC, you know, Philadelphia, you know, they're going to be, I think, the team to beat only because – the quarterback question still up in the air with San Francisco. I know their defense is outstanding, but at the end of the day, if you don't have an offense to put some points on the board, it doesn't matter 
how good your defense is. You can you can shut them out for a while, but sooner or later you give up something. You got to score something as well. And I don't know where the Brock Purdy situation is going to be this year. I'm not as high on him as everybody else uh, that's uh, you know wearing Niners goggles are. I think he had a good year last year, but there's a lot of film out on him, and I, I'd be shocked if he had the same type year that he had last year. And let's remember Jimmy G coming over, Chris. Real quick, I mean that's that's the thing with Jimmy G. Yes, he's a winning quarterback. Yes, he's always won games. But when you have a defense that ranks number two in the time that you were with that organization, that changes a lot of things. That gives a quarterback confidence. That lets him know, you know, he's a defense isn't going to be on the field that long too often. They're going to get turnovers. They're going to flip the field. Derek Hart didn't have that opportunity. The Raiders ranked 32nd in his nine years with the silver and black. So, you know, Jimmy G's going to have to up his game, and hopefully he stays healthy. That's another thing, another question mark. He's not been able to stay healthy in most of his time in the NFL. Somewhere along the line, he bites the bullet. Ken Thompson, Chris Wynn here on the T.C. Martin Show. Come your way live on a Monday here in Las Vegas, talking some NFL and some silver and black, some Raider Nation, but I got to switch gears because before I get you out of here, KT, I got I got to get your take. So last night I was at the pad relaxing, watching a little Sunday night baseball. The nostalgia was kicking in, my friend. It was outstanding. So the opening before the game was all about 1986, baby, as it should have been. It was all about the 1980s. It was a flashback to the fashions, my friend, flashback to the great teams back then, obviously talking about the Boston Red Sox and the New York Mets who met at Fenway Park last night on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. And there was a whole lot of reflection back to that 1986 World Series, right? Because you're talking about you know some of the iconic moments in baseball history that took place in that World Series, but then fast-forwarding to today, right, where you have a, look, the Boston Red Sox, I mean, they're they're five games over five hundred, but they're still in the cellar of that division. But I wanted to get to your New York Mets because this is a team, right, that had high expectations coming into the season. The one big money acquisition, obviously, was Justin Verlander from a money standpoint for Cohen and company there for that New York Mets team. And I just had, I get your perspective because you're a New York Mets guy. I mean, is this is this a team that is probably going to be a seller rather than a buyer as we roll through here? Or is this a situation where they can find a way to get some wins and make that run towards uh, what they were expected to be, which is one of the better teams in the National League? Yeah, be a seller or be in the seller. I mean, be exactly. real, man. I mean, this yeah. team is real close. They're only five games ahead of the Washington Nationals, and they're trending that way. I mean, they just can't get out of their own way. Looked like they may have turned things around about a month or so ago, but then they went into a tailspin right before the All-Star game. Uh, looked like they got it back going, and then, you know, out of the break, they've been pathetic. So, I, I you know, the, with the payroll they have, which is the highest in baseball, it's an embarrassment. Now, Verlander stepped up, and he's done okay, but, you know, the batting lineup is really sad. I mean, outside of Alonzo, who was banged up a little bit, who doesn't hit for average but gets the runs home, mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have much for average. They have no table setters. Lindor's been a bust. I mean, uh, Marte's been an absolute joke. So, at the end of the day, I, I'd, I'd be selling if I'm Cohen, but he's in so deep now, I don't know if it really matters. I think this season, for them to turn it around 
46 and 53 after 99 games, Chris, for them to turn it around, it'll be a shocker to me. I doubt it happens. Always love spending some time with one of our favorites here in Las Vegas. Uh, I had the honor of uh, sometime hosting a show and co-hosting a show with him at SportsX Radio over on the Odyssey app and and KDOT here in Las Vegas, 8 to 10 p.m.s during the week. Ken Thompson, have a great Monday. We will talk to you again soon, my friend, okay? See, when you're the best numchuck, keep this man in line. We'll talk to you soon, guys. <laughs> Thanks, KT. Yeah, there he is. Uh, one of my favorite hosts in town. And uh, he, he can talk. He can go across the board when it comes to all things. A guy that can talk hoops and that can talk Vegas and can talk Vegas and hoops. Joining us next, Coach Jay is going to join us here live in studio. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Coming away live. Chris Wynn in for the doctor. T.C. Martin. Much more on the way. On the other side, it's our number two. In the entertainment capital of the world. Thompson tries to answer and does. Clay Thompson with back-to-back threes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. T.C. Martin. He's hotter than fish green. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Wiggins, a three-pointer. Puts it in. A 15-point lead with 143 to play. The Warriors are ready to celebrate. The doctor, T.C. Martin. Launches. The doctor is now in. TC Martin Show caught away live on a Monday. KSHPM 1400, 107.1 FM, streaming at the TCMartinShow.com. The doctor is on the road. He is currently in the Windy City, getting set for the Chicago Sky Aces game, going down tomorrow night as the Aces just continue to stroll along 21 2. On the season, the clear-cut folks, cream of the crop in the WNBA, and uh, a lot of fun for us here in Las Vegas to get a chance to see that team play game in and game out. A guy that I love, uh, have a lot of fun getting a chance to uh, talk hoops and have here live in studio. He's a Las Vegas native, folks. Class of 1989, as am I. Although you went to Las Vegas High School. <laughs> I went to high school, in, and I graduated from Longmeadow, Massachusetts High School, Coach Che Jones, in 1989. 89. So we are right there, my friend. Uh, Coach Che Jones, the assistant coach now with the uh, College of Southern Nevada, the uh, Coyotes, folks. Coyotes. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, former basketball player himself, played professionally in Cyprus, yep. and uh, uh, proud, very, very proud uh, Buckeye as well, too. <laughs> and uh, always great to talk basketball with you, Definitely, Coach Jay. I appreciate Definitely. you spending some time Definitely. on a Monday. Definitely. We had a lot of fun in the last couple of years at some Rebel games, you and I. Well, yeah, we have. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you're someone also uh, has done a tremendous job when it comes to mentoring a lot of those players over there at the Thomas & Mac the, and over there at Thank UNLV. You. And uh, we're going to talk about some of them because we, of course, uh, the last couple of weeks, right, Coach Jay? It has been basketball central oh here goodness. in town. Oh uh, your head coach, Coach Lee, of course, uh, yeah. was being recognized yes. at an event. Yes. I, I, I covered the NBA Summer League. I was there pretty much every other day, if not every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw Coach Lee getting yeah. uh, getting recognized, and rightfully so, rightfully so. at, uh, at uh, one of the breaks during yeah. the NBA Summer League. 
Yeah, I mean, what he did, you know, I mean, what he's done in this community is, mm-hmm. is pretty valuable. But yeah. what what he did in such a short period of time uh, right there with uh, that Durango team this year is remarkable. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the probably one of the greatest uh, runs that a high school team has had to a championship in recent memory here. You know, I mean, they didn't slide through and beat some low level teams. They went to the top of the mountain and, and they, uh, they defeated the Kraken for real. They went down to the deep, the depths <laughs> to go chop the head off the Kraken. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they went through Liberty. They went through Gorman and they, they got it done. Yeah. I mean, they, that, that was an amazing, amazing run. Um, and that energy, that passion, that, uh, that commitment to what he does, you know, he's a former firefighter and you know, those guys are, you know, they're, they're Navy SEALs sort, sort of mentality, those guys. So, you know, he brings that to the program. And I think that, uh, we're going to go, we're, we're going to go in the right direction. And he's, know? he's probably somebody that's very prepared, as are you, mm-hmm. as far as making the transition. I mean, you've, you coached in college before yeah, yeah, yourself, yeah. but like, I don't, I don't anticipate it's going to be a major bump in the road, right? When it comes to a high school coach going and, and coaching at the college level. You know, I, I would be less than honest if I was saying I wasn't concerned about that initially, mm-hmm. but having initially, you know, our initial conversations, I was like, man, this is what I want to be with. Right. You know, he is, he's locked in, he's engaged, he knows what it's going to take. Um, he, he understands what we have, where we're trying to go and how we need to get there. You know, it's really easy to say, okay, we want championships. Yeah. Uh, we, we want some of the best players in America. We want to, you know, have all Americans. That's easy to say, but without having, you know, experience doing it or without having, you know, the, the, Having everything readily accessible exactly. for you, like yeah. being in a hotbed, mm-hmm. you know, um, and having some of the resources some of the, so, some of the other junior colleges yeah. in the nation mm-hmm. have, he's got a firm grasp on it. And we are, you know, coming in as late as we did as a staff, which we have a great staff, but coming in as late as we did as a, as a staff, for him to have such a firm grasp on it, and we to be, and for us to be so locked in so late in the game, uh, is really refreshing. I've been part of programs that are already in place. And we get to this point and we're no further along than we were in March, you know, and that that's a little disconcerting with this. It's very exciting to know that we are psychologically, mentally locked in. We have the guys locked in and um, I'm excited about what we're going to be able to do. And I got to say, look, uh, Coach Shea, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm some expert. I don't think CSN, <laughs> Coyote basketball, but. Given the kind of landscape that is college basketball today, mm-hmm. right, where mm-hmm. the transfer portal is so prevalent, yeah, and it, it just wasn't when we were back back mm-hmm. when we were in college. I mean, it was a shock when Olivier St. John, right? I grew up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Michigan State fan, but when Olivier St. John left Michigan to go to San Jose State, that was like a huge deal, yeah. right? Back back in the early '90s, yeah, it just wasn't really a prevalent thing. No, no now, right. uh, given that you do have so much fluctuation and so much movement. In yeah. college basketball, it makes it uh, it makes it more impactful. I guess is the word I'm going to use when it comes to co- to junior colleges yeah. and 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 having the ability for you and Coach Lee to, to get guys that maybe looking to make the next step. Maybe they aren't ready to go to to, to a Division One program mm-hmm. right away, but they can come to your program and be impactful and then make that jump. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that's uh, that's a big part of the beauty of our program. You know, myself, mm-hmm. Mike Lee. Um, our other assistants, Brian Wilcox, who's yeah. a local guy, and Harvey Perry Jr., who's a local guy, has been around Las Vegas basketball for, you know, 30 years. Um, I think we give 
so many different perspectives of the college experience as players and as coaches and what regions we've been in that we're going to give our, we're going to be able to give kids a perspective that perhaps they haven't had before. Um, whether it be playing at an NAIA school or division two school or playing at a division one school and what type of division one schools you're going to. Um, I think we're going to be able to provide so many different perspectives that we're going to be able to touch on everything that kids are going to be able to do. Um, you know, it's, um, it's like you said, it's a totally different world today. Okay. It's totally different world. You know, before you had four years of eligibility, you had, you know, you had five years to play four or three years to play two. If you were at a junior college, now the, the mentality is I have five years or four years to get it right. Mm -hmm. And whether or not we like that or not is not the issue. The question is, how do we utilize that to benefit not only the program and the players, but ourselves as a, as a staff? How can we utilize those needs and desires and wants of these young players to fit in and, and, you know, really work on a, on a one year, you know, a yeah. one year time, timetable there? You know, so I, I think that's going to be unique within itself. But we, like I said, we have, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Wilcox. Brian Wilcox is a local guy here, played at Bonanza High School. Okay. Um, was I, I just unbelievable point guard. Um, ended up, he played, was a point guard with J.R. Ryder over at Antelope Valley. Uh, played at, uh, St. Francis in New York. Just a tough player, you know, and I think he gives that kind of an edge to guys, you know, to showing them how you can grind it out and go from the community college level on up to the higher level. You know, um, obviously myself, I have my own accolades. You know, Harvey has been around Las Vegas and a lot of these kids because he was a part of the program before. So he's had a hand in recruiting these guys. And, you know, with myself and, and Harvey, we're from that neighborhood. Yeah. We know these guys. We know what day-to-day -day life is like over there. You know, and I think... um you know, I've always been a big advocate of the fire department and guys there. I have a lot of friends that have been on, on the, uh, you know, have been in the department. And I think what Mike brings as a former firefighter is a, is a certain level of dedication and commitment. And we all know the firefighters are very giving, you know, caring individuals. And I think that getting that type of mentality from your head coach is very important for young players. You know, it used to be we were kind of mentors slash father figures, but we have sports have, we, we've carved, carved out our own niche as coaches nowadays. So we wear a hat that isn't a hat that's replacing the hat that maybe an absentee father once had. A lot of these kids have a male figure in their life already, mm -hmm. you know, either an AAU coach or an uncle or dad, maybe or whoever, right? We have a role as a coach and it's a certain expectation that kids have of us or their families have of us or administrations at the colleges have of us. Mm -hmm. And I think we touch every single one of those aspects with our staff. And uh, in the short period of time we've been with this group of kids, they've really been buying into it. And uh, like I said earlier, I think we're going to we're going to do some pretty good things with this group. Coach Jay Jones joining us here on the T.C. Martin Show, assistant coach with the CSN Coyotes basketball program. You talked about the uh, the mentorship. I talked about it, actually. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, I, be, before you came on, I was talking a little bit of UNLV v, v basketball. You mentioned, of course, we I cover the team. You, you are uh, very influential, is the word I'll use, when it comes mm -hmm. to some of the, the players over yeah, at that yeah. program and other programs as well, yeah, too. Yeah. And uh, we're going to get into some other players, too, by the way, from Vegas, okay. as far as what uh, they might have an opportunity at the next level. Yeah. But UNLV basketball, right? You were mm -hmm. here back when this was a program that was prominent mm -hmm. 
around the country. Yes. Right. I mean, I went to college and high school completely on the other side of the country. Everybody knew what UNLV basketball yeah. was. It's not at that point right now no. that it was. And the anticipation is it's probably not going to be up to that level anytime soon. But I think there are expectations, aren't there locally especially, that this is a program that can elevate itself, that can get yeah. back to a point where in the Mountain West Conference they are more than relevant and they're absolutely a program that can get back to a spot where they're not only very uh, have the ability to win Mountain West championships, but can get back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of things are happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Okay. First and foremost, you know, we've had a divorce from success mm -hmm. at UNLV. Um, and we have to understand that, you know, yeah. mom and dad aren't together anymore. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean mom can't be happy. Doesn't mean dad can't be happy. And in the meantime, of the last 35 years, the conference that UNLV basketball is in, yeah. the Mountain West Conference, has improved. Mm -hmm. It's gotten better. Yeah. It isn't the Patriot League. <laughs> you know, it isn't, it, it's gotten better. And it's hard for us to understand that it's gotten better. But year in, year out, we have teams in this league that make noise. So it isn't where, like it used to be back in the day when it was just UNLV. That was it. And no one else, you know, Majerus had great teams at Utah, mm -hmm. but for the most part, no one else contended with UNLV at that, at that higher level, right? Yeah. So I think we need to understand that as We've gotten away from elite level basketball where, you know, and in all honesty, I don't think any program is going to be able to be what UNLV was in 1990. I don't think we'll see that again because of so many factors. Number one, there are infinitely more players playing the game. You know, there, you can go to, you can go to any little village in, in, in Croatia, any place, you know, all over the world. And there's a kid that can play Division One basketball. There used to be states in this country that didn't have kids that could play yeah. Division One basketball. So the game has grown. The conference has grown. And we aren't – I don't think we're going to see – the closest thing you could really look at that is to what UNLV basketball was in the 90s was maybe Alabama football. Right. You know, UConn women's basketball. Dominating the game isn't going to happen anymore. It's going to fluctuate. UConn – 10 years ago, it looked like no one would ever beat them again. And now you look and you have other programs, you know, South Carolina, Notre Dame, Stanford has been consistent, but you have these other in women's basketball, these other programs that are starting to elevate because what happens is the talent is all the way over there. And then players that are just as talented as that, they feel as though, well, I'm not going to go there and play 15 minutes. Instead of going to Alabama, I'm going to go to Ohio State or I'm going to go to USC. Yeah. And it'll fluctuate. They'll be better. They'll be better. And it'll keep going back and forth. So I don't think we'll see sheer domination like we've seen in the past. But that doesn't mean that UNLV can't get back to where it was. I put the onus on the community as well. Kevin has has a lot of responsibility, no, but no doubt. The players have a lot of responsibility as well as administration, right? But I think one thing, if you look at, the consistency of Ohio State football, Alabama football, UConn women's basketball, the programs in this country that have that type of success, one thing they have in common, Alabama fans are fanatic, just like Buckeye fans, just like Yankee fans, just like Cowboy fans, win, lose, or draw. And we have to stick with these kids no matter what. Okay? We're putting a lot of pressure on a freshman point guard. Well, let's be honest, a senior point guard, a senior out of high school point guard, right? right? To, to resurrect this program. 
And I think we need to take, we need to pump the brakes a little bit on that and allow this kid to mature. And it's a great segue to Coach Che because here's the deal. Uh, This is something I think that is a big difference um, as far as UNLV basketball is concerned now in the Kevin Kruger era than it has been in the past five, six, seven, eight years. Mm. And that is this. They weren't able to keep the likes of a Robinson here, right? They weren't able to keep the likes of a Julian Strother here to play at UNLV. Yes. But they did get DJ Thomas, right? Yes. And that is a monster, monster yes. plus for Kevin Kruger and his staff. And that's what I want to get in. I'll get your take on also. Kevin Kruger, right? Obviously, his father, Lon, tremendous amount of success across the board in yes. college basketball as a coach for multiple programs. Uh, Kevin, uh, you know, a, a guy that essentially grew up in the game and has turned out to be a pretty solid coach. I think I wasn't necessarily when he was initially hired. I was I wasn't super high on it because I thought he still needed some quote unquote seasoning as a coach mm-hmm. before he got that Division One level job yes. at UNLV. But he's kind of uh, he's kind of turned me a little bit. Your thoughts on Kevin Kruger on what he brings to the table and uh, what kind of impact he can yeah. have as the coach? Well, you know, I it's, you know they call it baptism by fire. Yeah. You know, um, first and foremost, you know, Kevin being a friend, a personal friend of mine, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. When he was initially hired, I also thought that he needed more time. And I honestly believe that his father and Kevin would have agreed that he did need an opportunity maybe to be an associate head, be given to delegate some responsibilities to or, or understand the landscape of things and then dive in. But, Considering the fact that these jobs are so hard to come by and he got the opportunity, you don't turn those opportunities away. You take them and you go with them. And I think for the most part, he did a relatively decent job by Vegas standards. Absolutely not. But Vegas standards are set with us getting to an elite eight. That's not realistic for anybody. That's not a realistic goal if they would have hired Patino, you know, so I think that we what we do need to understand is Kevin is a young coach. Kevin's identity as a coach is not what his identity is going to be in 10 years. It's not going to be what it's going to be in 20 years. You know, you look at Coach K at the end of his career, and Coach K when he lost to UNLV in 1990, he's a totally different coach. He was still a great coach on both sides of that, but he's matured with the game. He's matured with the players. I think Kevin needs an opportunity. In the midst of Kevin becoming a head coach, these things have happened. NIO, okay, mm-hmm. and COVID. Yeah. Once he... Once he first sat down on a college bench in Flagstaff to him becoming a coach today, two of the most extreme things in the history of college sports have happened. COVID and NIL. And I think any coach at any level, any sport that had to deal with it, I coached my team, you know, virtually. Exactly. (laughs) You know, any coach that had to deal with that, it's a whole nother level. So being able to deal with that, I think – he needs to be given some credit for that first and foremost coming out of that on the other side of those things and being able to still have a hand in recruiting and be able to land what will arguably be the biggest recruit that UNLV has had. Probably, uh, I think, I guess you can say Zimmerman, you know, a high yeah. level player, you know, nationally that coaches all over the country want it. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that, uh, Coming out on the other side of that, getting a kid like DJ is tremendous. Now he's done that. DJ has to put the work in the gym. His team, his teammates have to rally behind him. He's a young point guard. But I think the other component of that is this city. 
This city needs to back off a little bit off of Kevin. We definitely need to with this young point guard. We need to allow him to mature in, in a more natural setting. We're putting the pressure on a 17-year-old to resurrect a, pre- a program that hasn't had success in his lifetime is, is a little unrealistic. I think it's unfair. He is a great point guard. The last thing we want to do is become victim to the portal because we run a kid out of here. Let's embrace him. Let's allow this coach to mature. Let's allow this player to mature. And allowing him to do that together, I think you can look up in two or three years, and this program is where we all want it to be. Coach Jay Jones and me, Chris Wynn, on the T.C. Martin Show, coming away live here from fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, talking some hoops. Uh, we had the NBA Summer League in town uh, about a week and a half ago. It was WNBA action all over the place, Coach Jay, <laughs> yeah. with the WNBA All-Star Game and the yeah. Aces coming in here and waxing people. Uh, NBA Summer League, right? We're talking about UNLV a little bit here. Yep. Let's talk about some of the former players, right, from UNLV mm-hmm. that played in the Summer League. The first guy I'm going to talk about is someone that uh, you've had a relationship with, of course, yeah, yeah. Bryce Hamilton. Yeah. You know, one of the top players in the Mountain West, really. Yes. And, yes. Should have uh, been player of the year. Yeah, and was outstanding. I'll die on uh, that hill. <laughs> yeah, and I, and, I, and I was there for yeah. a couple of his games with the Los Angeles Lakers in yeah. Summer League. Look, my initial reaction and view when it comes to Bryce, I think absolutely, from an offensive standpoint, He should be able to get on an NBA roster, right? I'm not a general manager, okay? I don't Mm -hmm. have, uh, you know, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, yeah, he's going to be playing for an NBA team next year. But I think there's no question from an offensive standpoint, he's able to get a shot. He made an impact in the games I saw here in Vegas in the NBA Summer League. What are your thoughts about his prospects as a pro moving forward, whether it's in the NBA or overseas? Well, first of all, he'll, he'll make the lion's share of his life earnings as a basketball player. He will be playing yeah. basketball until he decides to no longer play basketball. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not that'll be at the highest level overseas or whether or not that'll be as a journeyman here in the NBA, it's yet to be seen. Mm-hmm. I think what he is most, uh, he is not a great on ball defender. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But w- the NBA isn't about that. Yeah. The NBA is about guys understanding responsibilities, rotations, and I was surprised last summer at how well and how quick he was able to pick that up. Okay. Um, and I, he's only gotten better at that. Um, and if you watch him, he is taking the role with that team and with the G League team towards the end of their season that he took with UNLV. You guys know that if you get the ball to me, I will make a play for us. And these guys know it. You know, Scottie Pippen Jr., those guys that played with him, they trusted in him. It wasn't, you know, they didn't look at it as themselves and then these other guys were good. They looked at it as Bryce and I, you know. Um, so I, I think that he is, you know, he, he's an emotional kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, very, he keeps himself, but he's an emotional kid. And I think that the more comfortable he is, the better he plays. And I think right now he is at a comfort level that uh I would not be surprised at all to see him lock down a deal with a team, maybe uh maybe a long term deal, not necessarily with the Lakers, but uh with somebody. He has proven that he he's proven that he's better than ten to fifteen percent of the players in the NBA right now. Speaking of a guy that's emotional, a guy that's been playing pro for a for a handful of years now, and former UNLV Rebel Brandon McCoy, another guy that yeah. I saw yeah. at NBA Summer League in a different position right now mm-hmm. as far as his career. But uh, I guess I'll I'll ask the question. I'll use the word surprise. Are you surprised that Brandon hasn't had a more uh, had had a more NBA centric or you know had, had a better career? I guess is the way I'll put it from a professional basketball standpoint, given 
the the flat out talents that 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 kid has in the game of basketball. Well, you, you know, it's um, Bryce and I. I mean, uh, Bryce, Brandon and I have become really close. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Arizona when I was in Arizona, um, so that was our connection. You know, UNLV, and then when I came out here, he moved back. Um, I, when I was in the midst of trying to organize the, uh, the TBT team, he was one of the main pieces that I was looking at. Um, so he and I stayed in, in, in really, really close conversation as well as his agent. And, uh, the thing with him was the injury. He just needed to get over the injury. And with a lot of guys, especially big guys, their biggest thing is the psychological side of the injury. You know, us little guys, we get dinged up. We've been getting dinged up since day one. It's yeah. nothing. But big guys, it's they're like, wow, I'm actually hurt. Mm-hmm. So he has to physically get over it. He has to mentally and psychologically get over it. And I think right now he's getting to that point. I wouldn't be surprised because one thing about Brandon is he actually passes well for a big guy. And he actually off of that, you know, he likes to do it. I don't think he should always do it, shoot the three. But um, he can off of one dribble pull up relatively decent you know so I, I think that gives him as a pick and pop guy as a guy that can run the floor and finish above the rim I think that gives him an opportunity in today's game that if he was the same exact player 20 years ago I think he would be done you know but I think his mobility and you know he's so hungry because of what the projections were, and this is what going back to what I was talking about with DJ. We get out of control with these projections sometimes. Mm, yeah. You talk about the top football players and in, 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 in quarterbacks, right? Yeah. You talk about Mahomes, mid-level guy Kirk, Kirk Cousins, and a bottom-level guy Marcus Mariota, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know what, what's funny about that is the Heisman Trophy winner is the bottom guy, exactly. Yeah. And the guy that was like, "Hey, can he play at this level?" He's one of the, arguably one of the best of all time, like Tom yeah. Brady, mm-hmm. right? So I think that we get out of control with some of these projections, and I think. Brandon fell victim to that. These projections were, is he one and done? You know, he's out playing Aiton. Is he this? And then, you know, for a young kid, he's looking at Aiton have the success. And he was like, there's not too much of a difference between us. Why am I not having that? You, you know, so that kind of falls in there. And you know what? Another player was also, I think, a victim of that. And you brought him up about 10 minutes ago. Steven Zimmerman Jr. Yes. I got to admit, Coach Che, look, I've been in Vegas for 20 years, okay? So sometimes yeah. I am a guy who's a cheerleader for the local guys, right? Yes, exactly. And when Steven Zimmerman Jr. came out at, at, after his senior year of high school at Bishop Gorman, I'm like, I want to believe this guy's going to be an NBA star. I, I, just, I mean, I yeah. see the size. I saw the passing ability in high school. I'm like, this guy can be a player, yeah. right? And it didn't really shake out for Steven. He ended up play, uh, had a cup of coffee with the Magic in the NBA. He was drafted in the second round by the Magic. Yeah. Played uh, a couple 10-day contracts, I think. Then ended up going overseas, I want to say, in Switzerland or Germany or wherever yep. he went. Played professionally. And now, uh, again, like you're saying, he's, I think he's back in Vegas. But, uh, you know, Steven Zimmerman Jr., I think, was a victim of that as well, too, of the yeah. high expectations and then yeah. not necessarily panning out. Yeah, I think, I think sometimes we stunt the growth of players or the progress of players because we say this kid can be this. Let's map a plan out for him. And this is what I love about Mike. You know, yeah. we're saying we should be able to do this. We should be able to do that. But this is how we're going to do it. This is why we're going to do it. And this is the time frame in which we're going to do it. And, and I think that's really important because today's kids, we talk about this all the time. They're, they're visible. You know, you can't just tell them. They need to see it. They need tangible evidence of how we're going about this. You know, so um, I, I think you're right with, with Steven. It's another one that was uh, we projected him so high that it's hard. You know, and it, I mean, it's no different than what they did with LeBron and what they've done, they're doing with Wimby right now. Yeah. It's the same exact thing, but it's the circle around those those people and the people that are working with that kid hands on day to day. 
that'll keep them grounded with tangible work, not just say, hey, don't believe the hype. That's not good enough. Or, or convincing that it's true. You got to give him stuff. So if he can get down every single day and realize, wow, I can't make 20 out of 53s. I got to work on my shot. Even though they're saying I can shoot the ball, you take a guy like Scoot. Okay. If Scoot gets in the gym every single day and he can't shoot 50% just on an individual workout, then it's going to, it's going to click to him. I got to improve this because I'm looking at these other guys. They're making 80% of their threes undefended. You know, so I think you have to really get down in the trenches with these kids and give them something tangible to work on. And, and DJ in particular as a point guard, he needs that because, you know, I always say this to, to the point guards I work with. It's the politics of the position. All right. We don't get the credit when we're successful, and we get the blame when things go wrong. Yeah, You're listening to T.C. Yeah. Martin Show live on a Monday. Chris Wynn, Coach Jay Jones, join us live in studio, assistant coach with the CSN Coyotes. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, i got to get in some more players, local players that, uh, okay. are, that are looking to chase down their dream yep. of playing professional basketball and uh, talk a little bit of uh, college basketball aspects, too. You brought up the NIL situation, obviously something that's monstrous mm-hmm. in the game of college basketball, college sports as a whole, as a whole. period. So I want to get, yeah. get your takes on some of that as well, too. It's Chris Wynn, it's Coach Jay Jones, and it's Numchuck live in studio on a Monday. The T.C. Martin Show coming to you live on cool. K-Shop. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. <laughs> The doctor is in the Windy City, getting set. Chicago Sky, Las Vegas Aces tomorrow night. As C.C. Martin is the voice of our world champion Las Vegas Aces. And as Numchuck pointed out early in the show, the hot dog picks, the grub picks, they're already going up on social media. And uh, here live in the studio, I'm Chris Wynn filling in for the Dr. T.C. Martin, joined by one of our favorites, assistant coach with CSN, the Coyotes, basketball program coach Jay Jones joining us here live talking some college hoops and talking some NBA summer league as well as all things basketball in the summertime and uh you know in the break we were talking a little bit about DJ Thomas highly touted point guard coming here to UNLV one of the most anticipated recruits in a while right since the likes of Anthony Bennett and Brandon McCoy and Steven Zimmerman Jr. and some others but there's also other guys that played in the NBA summer league too coach Mm -hmm. Jay who are going to have an impact. One of those guys was drafted to the NBA champions. Of course, I'm talking about Julian Strother, right? Yeah. Local Las Vegas, played at Gonzaga, mm-hmm. was instrumental, right? In yes. Gonzaga's uh, run in the NCAA yeah. tournament. Talk about Cinderella. Including here in town, <laughs> yeah. right? At T-Mobile Arena. First NCAA yes. tournament game That's so in crazy. Las Vegas. Vegas kid hits the shot. Of the, of the tournament. Yeah. You can't make this stuff yeah, up, that's right? That's bad Hollywood script, man. <laughs> and so from a college standpoint, a college career, he showed out, right? He played, he played, oh, yeah. he played well. Yeah. Now he, it's the next step, right? Where you're trying to make it mm-hmm. to the NBA. I don't know how much you saw of Julian in the summer mm-hmm. league. Yeah. Um, I felt, uh, in the couple of games that I saw him play that it, 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 it seems like a log jam type of situation in Denver with that team. Look, we yeah. get it. They're the NBA champs. You know, you got the likes of, you know, Jamal Murray, uh, and across the board. I, I guess Brown leaving would, would leave a spot for him. But, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about his opportunity to, uh, to make it to the NBA and, uh, his basketball prospects moving I, forward? I think that he's, uh, I think he's solid. You know, mm-hmm. I've known, you know, I'm really close friends with his dad. Yeah. Um, I've known the family 
for a long time. You know, I remember him was a little guy. Now he's, you know, literally twice my height. But, um, he, um, I think he did, I, I think first and foremost, I think he did a tremendous job over the last few years representing the city. You know, I think there's a lot of people, you know, throughout that conference and even across the country and see this kid and the way he carries himself and the way, way he, he conducts and goes about business every day and say that kid's from Vegas. I think that's, that's good for us. Yeah. I think it's really, really good for us. I think there's eighth and ninth graders right now that will get recruited more so off the character of a Julian Strother than they will off the talent of some other kids that we've had. And I, I think as a Las Vegan, I'm very, very appreciative of, of what he's done. You know, with that being said, he, he's very, he reminds me a lot of Donovan, uh, Donovan Williams in, okay. in, in this sense that he has to commit himself to becoming a better shooter or commit himself to becoming a better defender and then work on the ladder later. I think that's how he gets in. Um, he has the size, the tools, the athleticism, the quickness, the length to be a good defender, especially on the weak side. Okay. Um, he also has the tools to be a much better shooter. And I think if he commits to one of those th- things and becomes better so that a GM says, okay, we're going to take a chance with this kid. And once he gets comfortable and gets acclimated, he'll do, he'll do better. Yeah. Donovan was different because Donovan, Donovan, Donovan is just like Tyrone Nesby. Mm-hmm. He believes, Donovan believes he's the best player on, on the Hawks team. And let me tell you something, Trey, Trey, Trey Young, those guys that he plays with, they love that about him. You cannot win with guys that think, eh, I'm probably the fourth best shooter on this. You can't win with guys like that. You know, that mentality, you know, that's why Michael Jordan loved Tinez so much. Cause Tinez felt like, hey, it's me and Jordan. Mike, what are we going to do tonight? <laughs> you know, yeah. And that mentality is how you win games. You got to have that mentality of guys in the locker room. Donovan had that. That's why Donovan is playing in the NBA. If, if Julian gets that, I think Julian, I, I, I believe wholeheartedly in Julian Strother. I'm sorry, but the first thing I thought of when you mentioned, of course, the, uh, Tyrone Nesby, the first thing that pops in my head, Che, is him in that uh, that awful red Los Angeles Clippers jersey that he had. To, had to, that back when that franchise was just atrocious. He and Lamar both. Yeah, he, he was playing. I believe with Marcus Taylor, right? Yeah. And uh, and those guys. It was, it was Marcus Taylor. Lloyd Vaught uh, was he on um, that team? Oliver Condi was on that team. Lloyd Vaught was on that yeah, team. Lloyd was I on too? that team. Yeah. I had two friends on that team, and I'm rooting for this team. And it was the worst yeah. experience ever. Brutal. Yeah. Okay, so another guy, another Las Vegas guy. Look, there's only five guys that get named to the all-first team in the NBA mm-hmm. Summer League. Yeah. This guy was one of them. Of course, I'm talking about Orlando Robinson from Fresno State, yeah. Las Vegas guy. And uh, out of all the prospects, to be quite honest with you, with Vegas ties, I think he's got the best chance, right, to have an immediate well, impact at the NBA yeah. level. He, I think, for I think absolutely. I'll be. Let's put it this way, Coach Che Jones. I'm going to be surprised. If he's not on, if not the Miami Heat roster, he's going to be on an NBA roster in 2023-24. Well, the, the, you know, this is another, you know, I, I played, you know, his dad. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I know, uh, I know Big O, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who's smaller than, (laughs) he's smaller old now, but I know his dad really well. You know, he comes from a good family, Mm -hmm. raised, raised very well. You know, um, I think that in the last, he's a very humble kid. So being a humble kid, especially at that position, he's learned that position at that level. He is a 2023 post player today, Mm -hmm. a guy with the ability to put the ball on the floor. He can actually use a ball screen as well as setting the ball screen. He can knock down a jumper. You know, um, he can block shots. 
you know, he goes and gets the ball at the highest point. He doesn't jump first. You know, um, he's gonna, he's gonna play somewhere. You know, I think that I, I think it may be a situation where the Heat say, well, do we want to lose him? Or do yeah. we want to look that, say we're at the end of Adebayo's, you know, the, 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 the tail end yeah. of it, mm-hmm. right? Do we want to get some money out of Adebayo and keep this guy? I think he proved in the summer league that he's a reliable force in the middle. Okay. I, I won't say force him. He's a reliable post player. Okay. I think with a little bit more strength, he can become a little more strength. He's better than DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, I mean, I think I look at and look at. I'm not the greatest when it comes to comparisons, but immediately when I'm watching him out of the summer league, I'm thinking kind of a comparison, and uh, maybe these guys are better shooters. But I'm thinking of like a combination of like Sam Perkins and Rob Rory, mm-hmm. kind of. You know, like that's kind of the vibe I got. Although I think obviously Robinson's, I think he's a little bit bigger actually than both those guys. Yeah. But uh, that's immediately what I was thinking. But but I was also thinking. Che is that is that the guy finds a way to make a difference, right? Yeah. And when you're out there at summer league, right, and you watch those games, I think you get a if, if you have any uh, any expertise. Expertise probably not the best word to use for a lot of people out there because a lot of us are just fans or just you know never really played. I didn't play even in high school as far as basketball. I played three other sports, but that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but um, when they watch games out there, right, the average Joe, the average Jane. It's difficult to decipher, okay, this guy really has a chance to play in the league, and this guy is just kind of like, yeah. you know, uh, playing in summer league because they're trying to fill out the rosters. You exactly. know what I mean? You're, you're, you're spot on. And I think with Orlando Robinson, I got the feel, I just got the feel. I was like, this guy is going to be, he's going to be one of those guys like a, uh, like a Kyle Kuzma was back nearing summer league where you didn't necessarily know, you know, is Kyle going to yeah. be playing in the NBA? And then, they were outside. Jamal Murray, another guy. Jamal Murray. I yep. was like, ah, you know, uh, yeah, great score or whatever. But like, is he going to stick on an NBA roster? You get that kind of feel with a guy like Orlando Robinson, where he is someone who's, who made enough imp- made enough impact. Yeah. In the summer in the summer league, where it's going to translate into actually playing regular season Definitely. NBA basketball. You're, you're spot on. And the thing is this, you, you know, at that level, you're judged by the things you can't do. Okay, so you know, Orlando is the most agile guy right Mm. but over the last 365 days he's improved that he's improved that Mm. tremendously just from this time at fresno state to now Mm. there were times i would see royce ham kind of bump him off of the ball screen and he'd get a little uncomfortable and maybe shoot a shot he didn't want to shoot now what i see him doing is getting his back on the defender getting his shoulders and his hips down, really squaring up a guy, making a pass, going, setting the ball screen, and getting what he wants as opposed to being kind of forced into what he has to do. You know, that shows a level of maturity and commitment to getting better that as a GM, if I'm going to throw $12 million at you, I want to know that I'm not just throwing away pennies here because it's only $12 million and I need to make sure that we give this guy so much money and that you, you, you got to really kind of figure those things out because the same thing that'll, that can get this guy on this roster for this team won't be the same thing that can get him on the roster for that team. You know, so he may fill a void that Phoenix has, but he doesn't need to do that for Miami. Yeah. But when he's shown in such a short period of time to improve certain intangibles of his game, that says, hey, well, we maybe we can we can develop him as a stretch four. Maybe we can do this with him. Maybe we can do that with him. Or we're bringing in another big that can do this. Can can he compliment him by doing that? And he's proven 
unlike some other post guys that are really, really good at the, like at the, at the college level, he's proven that he is, he's moldable. And, uh, I think that that's where he's, uh, and, and he, look, he showed a little bit more moxie this, this summer than I, I've seen in the past three or four years. So CSN assistant coach, coach Jay, Jay Jones joining us here live on the TC Martin show, talking some hoops and talking some NBA summer league. Now you brought up his name and he's, he's another guy that was super intriguing as all get out when the summer league started. Of course, that's Scoot Henderson, right? Played here with the G League Ignite here in town. Um, is someone that, uh, I think even just after watching one quick game in the NBA Summer League, you gotta have fans in Portland super excited and yeah. amped up to yeah. see this kid play. Yeah. What does he bring to the table, coach, as far as, uh, his NBA prospects? And, uh, is, is this a situation where the, where the, the fateful up there in the Pacific Northwest, as far as Portland Trailblazer fans and their franchise should be, uh, all kinds of excited to have this kid? Yeah, I mean he is uh he's probably the most athletic guy that I mean he's one of those guys that you could you could put him on an NFL team right now and and he could be your safety. Like he's that athletic. Like he is he's that Ja Morant, Jamal Murray level of athleticism, you know, Dwayne Wade when he was young. Just there's nothing else like it, you know. Um and he puts the time in the gym. So just imagine when he decides that he's going to be Marcus Smart or he decides that he's going to be Damian Lillard and he's going to knock down shots. If he does that, there's not, there's nothing in place in the NBA right now defensively that can stop a player like that. He, you know, it's like, you know, like 10 years ago when LeBron would kind of get that look in his eye and he would just go downhill play after play after play. And you kind of say to yourself, whoa, well, the game's over. Like if he keeps doing that, there's nothing that can be done. You know, and, and that's, that's, I hope, you know, and I've been around Scoot a little bit, not a lot, you know, um, you, you know, I, I, I sit and talk with him. He, he, it's like he's a junior in high school hoping to get recruited, mm-hmm. not on the next great thing. And that to me tells, you know, he talked about a lot about his dad when we, when we met and, uh, it lets me know that he's grounded and being grounded is the most essential thing when you're going to this league because you're going to need to be able to get in workouts. You're going to need to be able to hire a, a, a nutritionist. You're going to be able to have to be able to stick to things that aren't program wide, like in college. You know, this guy has this to do. You have that to do. It's not the same like it is in college. We all have to be there at two. You know, you may come from a, from a East Coast road trip and have to get up at five in the morning to meet your trainer who you're paying $25,000 a month. And, you know, but to be disciplined enough to do that is what's going to separate him from another guy. And I think he has the tools to do that. Coach Jones, you are spot on with the segues here because you just led me into my (laughs) next guys that I want to talk about. All right, Coach Jones, you know, I'm a Michigan guy. Mm. I'm a Detroit Pistons fan through and through the Thompson twins, my friend. All right. A lot of little chatter about these guys, right? Until obviously the, uh, a man got shut down because he got yeah, hurt, yeah, yeah. uh, with the shoulder with the Houston Rockets. But, uh, his brother looked pretty impressive for my Detroit Pistons. And look, this is a young team yeah. with a young core and Cade Cunningham and Jay Nivey and, and, and Jalen Dern and these guys. Yeah. And so he's going into, I think, a really good situation in which, you know, uh, a, a coach that's looking to again continue to build on his yeah. coaching stature and Monty Williams, who I think is a really good coach. Um, uh, Thompson twins, your thoughts on, uh, what, what, uh, they bring to the table. 
Man, they are, they are very good. Yeah. They are very good. I was reserving judgment for them. Um, I saw a piece on them with their parents and the mom and dad are amazing. They're, they're right in between the indifferent parents and the little league dads. They're right smack dab in the middle. It's like, if you're going to do this, this is how you're going to do it. This is who you're going to listen to. This is the way you do it. If you're not going to do it, then we need to do something else. And that put the onus on them to make the right decisions and take that first step. And the parents rolled with it from there. And uh, they're just such good kids that you root for. Them. And then when they step on the on the floor, there's so many little intangibles about them that I think make them so unique. I think one is a tremendous score. Mm-hmm. And I think the other one, and that's probably by design because they play so much against each other, but one is a great defender and has a really good understanding of the ball, plays well off the ball, both offensively and defensively. Um, and for the life of me, I can't remember which one is which, you know, but, um, and then there's one that with the ball in his hands, he is just so, 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 so good. You know, um, I think that they're going to be really good. I, I think that they may be the surprise. I think, I think those two, uh, well, no, 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 the, the, the one, I can't remember which one it was, but I do believe it's the one that played with Detroit. Uh, Amir, Amir, Amir is with Detroit, and uh, yeah, uh, Amen yeah. is with uh, yeah. Houston. Yeah. So I, I think so. Amir is the one I think can be the biggest surprise, mm-hmm. and the next one I think could be the biggest surprise is uh, the kid from Kansas, the shooter, uh, Wilson. Right, that was, that Wilson was that his name? Is it with playing with? Uh, I want to say oh, I want to say they broke the Nets, right? I think it's Wilson. No, is it Wilson? No. no. But it'll come, uh, to me. it'll come to. But me. going to that to that point you made, you talked you talked about Scoot Henderson, right? As far yep. as like uh, the day to day in in the G mm-hmm. League, right? Playing mm-hmm. for the G League United, that's what's kind of unique about the Thompson Twins, right? Yeah. They come from that that uh, yeah. that procedure. I guess is not really a great word, but but they come from Atlanta where it was all structured, right? It's not like you and I when we were in college. Mm-hmm. When I was playing college yeah. football, you were playing college basketball. Yeah. That kind of it wasn't that college atmosphere. Yeah. It was a basketball. Yeah, yes, they were they were going to school yeah. and they had a structure to their day, but it was just different. It was right? similar to tennis kids. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. like that is going to it's going to be kind of a it's going to be kind of a temperature gauge, really. Yeah, I I believe so. With the I, Thompson yes. twins as far as okay, they came from that environment, Scoot and and uh, by the way, in the last five, six years, a lot of players have played in the G League, gone, yeah. haven't gone the college what route. Was it, the top five they go the guys pro route. weren't college They go the guys? pro route, right? Yeah. Where, where you're, it's a different kind of way to go yeah. about your day to day to be, uh, to, to elevate yourself to a professional basketball player. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's very similar to those gymnast, uh, uh, tennis kids, some golf kids, mm-hmm. you know, where it's a, it's an all day thing. It's a world, you know, it's like, you know, there, there hasn't been a football or basketball kid to come through that system that it works, but we're anxious to see that, you know, that they're, that, like you said, they're going to be the blueprint for it. And if they succeed, I think, I think it may be the end of the prep school. Yeah. I, I think you're going to see the prep schools becoming, become those type of campuses where it's all encompassing and you're teaching them. It's all, it's an all inclusive environment where you're teaching them to not only be better players, but to learn something as well and to just become professionals. You're grooming them to, you know, kind of like, uh, the, you know, the, um, in Nashville where you have all the, the writers, all the, all the country singing, the, the country music writers. They're all living one place mm-hmm. and they're feeding off the energy of one another. And you're, you're going to see if this is going to work. And I, I think 
if there's anyone that I think it could work for, it would be those two kids. And of course, Coach Jones, that brings us to the guy who had the biggest spotlight on him when the NBA Summer League rolled around. Of course, I'm talking about Victor Webinyana, number one overall pick. Talking about a generational talent, right? As far as yeah. the ability, he comes in. It just seems so perfect, doesn't it, Coach Jones? He comes into San Antonio. They have Greg Popovich, the coach of all coaches in the NBA. They have the history with Tim Duncan and and David Robinson and championships. Yeah. And now he goes to San Antonio. He's a French kid. He's Tony a Parker's French team. kid. Tony. Uh, what's his Grew name? up with a jersey. Who's wearing the jersey Who's all the, the other time? Boris Diaw. Boris Diaw was there. <laughs> yeah. It just seems so perfect. And, and look, with Webby on his background, right? Uh, again, I give him a ton of credit as someone speaks pretty good English already, right? Yeah. Comes to the United <laughs> States. He's going to be a media sensation, yeah. but, uh, it just seems like a great fit, right? With yeah. him and that organization in the NBA. And it looks like it, it could be a situation that could be beneficial for everybody involved. Yeah. I, I, you can try, you know, <laughs> Tim Wade's from Sunday to try to dislike this kid in this situation. <laughs> But at the end of the day, he's doing stuff you've never seen before. LeBron James came into this league, and the best post defender at the time was Ben Wallace. And he was the same size as Ben Wallace. And he was dribbling the ball up and down the floor faster than most twos and threes. And it was something you'd never seen before. And the same thing with this kid. You're talking about a guy who can block shots and shoot shots. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a guy who can catch the ball and finish at the rim, but can also throw dimes to guys at the basket. Like his skill set is literally, it, it's all over the place. And it, there's no, the only flaw to his game is he's skinny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which you can expect a guy like that, he's going to end up putting on some LBs, right? There's yeah. no question he's going to end up getting bigger. <laughs> How much bigger? We don't know, but you do no, expect we've that, never right? seen it, and yeah. We've never seen anybody that size running around. Mm -hmm. You know, we see him at a circus. You know, uh, we don't see him running around, you know, but I mean, Kevin Durant's skinny. Yeah. Darius oh, Miles was skinny. Well, we remember, I, I don't know if you, you remember that, that summer league when yeah. Kevin Durant came in as yeah. a Seattle Supersonic, by the way. Yeah. He was skinny as all get out. When he, when have he, you seen when, the yeah. Photoshop pictures of him when his arm is extremely skinny? I have not. It's they were ridiculous. Photoshopped though, so it wasn't real. Then. Listen, it, it was so, it, it's Photoshopped. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But he was so skinny that yeah. people can't tell whether or not it's real. Or it's photoshopped. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, that's how skinny he was. I mean, he was like, he couldn't bench press his weight or something like that. You know, but at the end of the day, this game is about putting the ball in the hole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this kid can not only put the ball in the hole, but he can prevent you from putting the ball in the hole. The agility, right, Coach Jones, that you saw him with him on the court at his height. Come on. I mean, at run, any pl side. playing like, I mean, running up and down the court like Scottie Pippen, essentially. It was impressive. I mean, not I mean, just handling the impressive. ball because Kevin Durant can handle the ball. Yes, okay. No some, some big, yeah. but he does things that that's hard for tall guys to do. Mm -hmm. He puts the ball behind his butt. Yeah, he goes through the legs. You know, little. I I don't know if you saw the clip that I posted maybe a couple months ago. He shot a three pointer. He missed it. He went to the basket and tip dunked it himself. Yeah. Like that's 
Come on. Yeah, there was there was there was a couple of moments, right? Especially in that game two of the NBA Summer League game. For game one, he struggled offensively. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah. able to shoot that well. Yeah. But in game two, I, I was know there. If he was I was get there watching by Britney Spears. I was there watching. By the way, Coach Jones, <laughs> you know, seventeen thousand at the Thomas and yeah. yeah. for his second super, you know, Summer League. Fifteen thousand are, are there to see him fail, and it's just so it's so yeah. crazy. And yeah. like, so look, there's pressure, you know, for a kid yeah. that young, seventeen in that situation, and he and he played pretty well in that. I mean, twenty, I think he had twenty eight and seventeen yeah. boards. Or something like that in that game. So a lot of reasons for fans in San Antonio to be excited. You know what, Coach Jones? There's just not enough minutes in the show to have you here, my friend. We're going to definitely have you back. We really appreciate you stopping by hey, on Monday. And, 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 and most hoops. importantly, yeah. good luck to Dickinson this year. I know he's left Michigan, and, and oh, I just wish yeah. him the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, saw him at, we saw him at T-Mobile Arena this year, too. <laughs> In a, in a match, I think Arizona. It was the Arizona. But game. I wasn't rooting for him then. I am. No, you are. Yeah. I'm so rooting for him now. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> coach Jay Jones, assistant coach with our CSN Coyotes here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Coach, have a great season. Thank okay? you very you and, much, man. And give our best you. to Coach Lee. Yes. And, uh, and uh, all the best this year. We really thank you for stopping by the TC. Thank you very show. much, man. We appreciate you. It's been a lot of fun <laughs> hosting uh, Chris Wynn here live. Hosting for T.C. Martin. He will not be back tomorrow. He is going to be doing the play-by-play call as the Las Vegas Aces are taking on the Chicago Sky. So the T.C. Martin show rolls on. On here on KSHB and 1400 and 107.1 FM and all over the World Wide Web. T.C. Martin Show.com. A great Monday, everybody.